Romans, 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 Rimele Anima, the book of Romans, Romans, Romans. We are again in the book of Romans. So welcome for tonight's class. And we are in a chapter 8 in these beautiful and beautiful and glorious verses. And as we, as we, uh, <clears throat> as we start to read these verses, let's, uh, let's pray. So this is a Romans uh, class number 35. And let's, let's, uh, let's read these verses and pray. Romans chapter 8 verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So dear God, we just we coming we are just coming to your presence. We are coming to you in a in a in a spirit of prayer. We don't want to speak of ourselves. We want to speak the oracles of God. Just ask you to lead us, communicate to us, and give us, shine your light on these passages, enlighten these passages for us, that we have a true understanding in the spirit inside. Because it's the spirit which searches the depths of our heart, and you understand us. And thank you, God, speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Romans... Uh, verse 31, chapter 8. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, mentioned before already, to understand this verse, we have to clearly see the passage before, the golden chain of the things that God has done. When he called, verse 28, he foreknew he, verse 29, predestinated, conformed to the image of the Son of God. And then whom he predestinated, he called, he justified and glorified in verse 30. There is a chain of the whole things, <coughs> of the actions that God has done on the behalf of the believer. Uh, uh, we mentioned this into details in the previous class. But just for the uh, sake of review, God foreknew who will believe in him. And he predestinated us based on this, in the Jesus Christ. So we are predestinated in Christ. We mentioned this in the previous class again. And then uh, whom he predestinated, he called. We have a calling of God on our life. He justified us. It's all uh, past. It's all actions that happened and glorified us. And now, knowing all this, Paul says in verse 31, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who? This doesn't mean in a practical life that there will never be nobody against you. No. Maybe the other way around. Once you uh, receive the call of God, once you say, here am I, send me, here am I, I'm in, uh, uh, lead me, you basically will have a new enemies, a lot of new enemies, including the Satan, uh, the Lucifer, Satan, 
the devil and his fallen angels, uh, this uh, spiritual world of uncleanness, this world system, uh, people who are anti-Christian or anti-Christ, uh, many unbelievers and rulers of this world, uh, many religious people, religion, you know, a system which uh, is, presented, is presented as a, some uh, forms and norms and standards and teachings on how to go to heaven, although they are not sure with the result and they don't know what the person should basically do to go to heaven. They have no uh, eternal security. They, they have a hopes in uh, man-made religion. So these people will attack you and they will attack the uh, clear uh, biblical teaching. Because to know that you are saved is a, is a, is a big offense for them. The cross is an offense. Uh, the cross is a place with, where Jesus died and paid for all of our sins. And when he finished, John 19.30, he, he cried and he said Greek word, tetelestai, uh, which means it is finished in a sense that everything has been fulfilled and paid in full. Nothing else to be, uh, needs to be added or distracted from it. The saving work is complete. That's what it means. Uh, in relation to our sin, the payment has been in full, and therefore uh, there is, we have a peace with God. Uh, they will attack this uh, type of teaching, because uh, if you present it this way, they will understand that their teaching is just a, a philosophy, it's a system of thinking and trying to find a way to heaven, trying to find a, a close relationship with God, which they do not have, and still they live in this uh, spirit of the orphans, uh, but we live in the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, again, quoting the Romans 8, uh, uh, verse 15. So we have this uh, assurance of belonging to the family, belonging to the Father, uh, this in no way uh, uh, makes us to be proud in a sense like, oh, you say you go to heaven, you are so proud, how can you know? Well, that would be the case if salvation would be derived from our own works. But because it's derived from the work of the cross and it's a gift, charis, it's a free gift, there is no merit uh, and there is no repayment, the system of repayment, the system of I do something and based on this I will get something in return. No, that's not the way. It's pure grace. And therefore we can say it was given to me and if a person humbles himself he can receive this gift of salvation, gift of forgiveness, gift of justification and, and many other things. Uh, referring backwards to all these passages that we that we studied already before, just quoting five one Romans five one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We place our trust in this saving work, 
And because of this, we are justified right now at this present state. We have peace with God uh, because uh, the sacrifice was accepted and was enough to pay for us. And this happened through Jesus Christ, which was the sacrifice. Uh, and he was both uh, the place of sacrifice and the sacrifice. Uh, uh, okay. So uh, we know this, this is what we have, and we are standing in this security. And verse 31, so after knowing all this, after knowing this finished work, this is called finished work, again referring to John 19.30, it is finished, and there is this whole attachment of the things that happened with it. And it's a finished work, God has finished it, and everyone who believes enters into this, uh, this applies to him. So 31, what shall we say then to these things? What can anybody say to these things that we have heard? If God be for us, who can be against us? Basically saying, so if God is on our side and he has done all of this, who can be against it? Who can, who can revert his work, the finished work? And then he develops and adds to it, and he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? So understanding this, he comes to this conclusion, who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who can basically condemn us? Who can blame us? Well, diabolos does it, uh, the devil, that's the Greek word diabolikos, diabolos. Dia uh, means to, to uh, throw, and, and uh, bolos means to throw. So he's basically throwing accusations, you know, uh, piercing us with these accusations, uh, uh, blaming us putting things on charge against us. And they, the devil, the diabolos, is walking around and he says, look at him, look what he's done. Look what she's doing right now. Look at them, God. Look at them. They will not go to heaven. Look what they are doing. And this is his accusing, because he's the accuser of brethren uh, day and night. So basically, it's his constant job to accuse us. But after all this, who can be against us when God is on our side and he did not spare his own son and did all this, delivered him for us all? And who, after all this, shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Now, who will blame us? And in the same verse it says, it is God that justifies. Who will condemn you? Well, it's God that justifies. There is this contrast, the, the, the anti-balance. Who can do the condemnation? Huh? Nobody, because God is on our side. And God does the justifying work. This is the work of salvation. How is a person saved? It's based on the doctrine of justification. Are you just in the sight of God? You know, God is not going to just overlook some things because... Uh, the last five years of your life you were good. Well, you are supposed to be good all the years of your life. You know, when you do some uh, criminal act, uh, 
uh, when you go before the judge, you cannot say, well, but I promise I'll be good now. It will never happen again. And you are released. No, uh, uh, that doesn't work this way. You know, uh, it, this, it does not erases or disannul the act that happened. You know, good behavior is a nice thing. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, we should be good, but it does not deal with the problem, with the sin, with the damage we have done. It has nothing to do with it. And some people still think, well, I'll be good and then I'll balance it. Uh, no, the doctrine of justification is based on the death, Romans 3, 23 and 24. All have sinned and short, come short of the glory of God. We deserve hell and punishment and condemnation. But Jesus took our place on the cross and paid for us substitutionary sacrifice and paid for our sins. So it's God who justifies us based on his work that he provided. So if you receive his payment, you are justified. And verse 34, again, who is he then that condemns? Who can condemn you? This is the question of going to heaven and hell. This is not a question, well, I feel if I'm good. No, the question is, who is condemning you? Where is your condemnation? And flip over on the other side of the coin, where is your justification? How will you justify, we use this word in a, in a normal language, how will you justify uh, your actions? Basically explaining why, how do you explain what you have done? And uh, we will have no apology. We will have no excuse before God, Romans 1. We will have no apology whatsoever. Except we come and we bring the Jesus Christ. And then it says, so who is he that condemns? And it's not the devil. It's Christ that died, yeah, rather that is risen again, who is at the right hand of God and makes intercession for us. So God is pleading there for us. He pleads and he says, no, look at them. I have paid for their sins. They do not deserve the condemnation because their condemnation I have received on my body. I was judged and condemned for their sins. And then it says, after knowing all this, this is so amazing. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now this, this call, like, so who will separate us from this love of Christ? Who? Who can be it? And now here's a list of the things. And uh, creatures, basically, we will see it later on, that none of these is able to separate us, neither and we will see these things. And then after reading this, uh, how can somebody doubt his uh, eternal security? Uh, because people do not uh, read the, the whole context. You know, many people say, oh, you are reading this out of context. And what they speak about is in the immediate context, which is the word and the verse around, maybe one before and one after. But we have to understand it first in the context of the whole Bible, the truths that has, have been revealed already, we receive and we build upon it. And then in the context of the book of Romans, as it's unfolding and bringing the new revelations and new argument for us, which is like 
established and we are building on it. So after this, you know we have been justified. There is the chain of the things that happened. Uh, God is for you. Who can be against you? Nobody. He did not spare his own son. There's, there's, there's the greatest sacrifice. That's why it's placed there. And then it says, who, will, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Nobody is able. And by the way, it's God that justifies. And by the way, it's even God who condemns. Nobody else has the right. It's Christ that died. But his ministry for us is to sit at the right hand and make plead for us, intercede. And after knowing all this, there is this call, so who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? And the answer is, and we will see it, nobody and nothing. And it says here, shall tribulation, Shall tribulation separate us? Was the tribulation, the Greek word for tribulation is the tlipsis. Tlipsis. T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S-S. T-H-R... I'm sorry, I beg your pardon. T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. Tlipsis. And it means pressing, you know, under pressure. So what shall, what shall separate us? When we are under pressure, when the things are pressing on us, when the society and the atmosphere and your boss and many other things are pressing on us, and we could even go the extended mile and say, when you are under pressure, it's like depression, depressed, when you are pressed so much, when you are under such a press, can this situation separate us from the saving work of Christ, speaking here about the love of Christ? Because it says that he loved us so much that he did not spare his own son, but delivered him for us. These things will not move anything from the saving work of Christ. Even when you are under pressure and under distress, this word for distress means a narrow place. Imagine you are under such a high pressure that you cannot bear it, and yet com combined with this distress in a narrow place, a place where you cannot move, you cannot even breathe. It's one thing when you are under pressure and you still have a space when you can do something and move, but when you are under high pressure, lipsis, and then you are under the distress, stenochorium, narrow place, under the pressure and in a narrow place. Narrow place. You know, I was once going through the rock, Rocky Mountains in Czech, and uh, there was this cliff in the rock, and the path went through this cliff in the rock. It was like really narrow cliff, and you had to go through this. And it was so narrow, so you could not walk normally. You had to go sideways. And you know, the, the, the rock was like really high, and you can see just a little strip of light above you. And you had to like go like this. And it happens, there is a sign that if uh, somebody is like much heavier in his stature, he cannot go this way, he has to go around the rock, because he would get stuck there. 
And I can imagine you go and you get stuck and the place is narrow and you cannot move. Now you cannot even breathe and imagine there is a pressure yet from above. Horrible place to be in. And maybe under such circumstances, maybe like a Job or Job's wife, somebody would say, curse God and die. Some people have been under such a pain and distress and narrow place and pressure that they have no more strength in them. And they are able to do things that a Christian should not do. Like a Peter denying the Lord. And you know, yet God says, this will not move anything from his love toward us, from his saving work. Or persecution. It says here, when you are being persecuted. You know, we may be persecuted on a certain level here uh, from, the, from the government, from the uh, religious institutions, unbelievers, but there are real persecutions sometimes going on in uh, different nations, uh, <clears throat> mostly in Muslim countries, but also Hinduistic countries, uh, Catholic uh, places, uh, Roman Catholic places, uh, Orthodox places, people are being persecuted. They are being placed in jail because of their faith. Like it's happening in Russia and Ukraine, like it's happening in India and, and many African countries because of the Muslim population. There is a real persecution going on today. But this will not separate us from the love of God, from his expressions, and basically from his saving work. What else? Famine or nakedness. Famine is when there is a, uh, a scarcity of harvest or lack of crop, provision, when people are dying by hunger. Uh, nakedness is like you cannot clothe yourself. doesn't speak only about shame uh, when, you don't, when you do not have a proper clothing and you are rejected by the need to be covered, to be kept warm uh, and in a dry place. So this is speaking about the real necessities. Imagine you are in a place when the necessary things uh, are not available for you. And it says here that these things will not make any problem to God's saving work and his love toward us. And then it says, or peril, or sword. You know, this peril is a danger. Perilous time. The dangerous time will come. It will be dangerous. Uh, things will happen. And then it says, or even sword. The Greek word machaira means sword or means a large sacrificial knife. A large knife when you sacrifice uh, animal and then you divide his body parts as, as, a, as a sacrifice. And it says here, even these things, dangerous times and even sword, under the sword, when you are being, being killed, this will not separate us from the saving work of Jesus Christ. And it says here, there is this connection, the sacrificial knife, verse 36, and it's written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as a sheep for the slaughter. 
So really people were not just risking, but really losing their lives because of their faith. Daily, they were being hunted and slaughtered. Perilous times. But nothing from this, nothing of this, shall separate us from the love and saving work of Jesus Christ. Verse 37. Now it says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. What's this word conquerors? In the Greek it's uh, hyper nikao. And it means more than conquerors. Or we could say it's a someone who gains a surpassing victory. Surpassing victory. Not just victory. Not just you have a fight with somebody and you have to fight and you are so bloody and at the end you win, you know, and you are exhausted. But this is like so surpassing victory that nobody was expecting it. And it's so huge and glorious. And this is what it says. Because the world wants you to think that you are loser and that you are losing. That's why there are these things mentioned. Tribulation, pressure, distress, narrow place, persecution, you are hunted, famine and nakedness, lack of food and clothing and necessities, dangerous times or even sacrificial knife goes after you because they sacrifice for their unclean gods and unclean uh, unclean uh, spirits which are in them, and they are being slaughtered as a sheep daily. And they want you to make things you are loser, you are being hunted, you have nothing and you will lose. But it says nothing of these will separate us from the love of God, from his saving work, and much more, verse 37, no, in all these things you are more than conqueror, more than victorious. How did it happen? Everybody is in awe. You are the winner in all these things. You are more than winner. Nobody expected. This is surpassing victory. This is like unbelievable. If we would do bidding, you know, like nobody would bid on you a, a, a dime. Everything would go on the other, other side. But God says, no, you are the winner. You are more than conqueror. Why? Because you, you are strong in these things and you will, you will win and not... No, 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 this is not about you. This is connected to this saving work of Christ. Nothing of these will separate us from his love. Not that these things will not stop our love toward him. And we hope it will not, but it may happen at times. But it says here, his love, his saving work will not be disannulled. And verse 38, for I am persuaded. He doesn't say, I think, I believe, I have some uh, hopes which have like no scriptural basis. No, he says, I have the hopes. I am fully persuaded. I know that neither death nor life. This is amazing. Even he comes to a conclusion and he says, you know what, it doesn't matter what you are going through. I know, I'm persuaded that neither death, even if you would die, or if you, even if you would live and continue in this life, because life has its pressures, and life brings you into narrow place. None of these things that attack and go against 
will do nothing. He says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, angelos in the Greek, angels, the messengers of Satan, the angels, the fallen angels, demons, demonic armies, none of these will be able to do anything. We will see later on what's, what's the word there. Nor the demons, and then it says, nor principalities, powers, things present, or things to come. Now, notice this. It says here, angels, which are the demons, principalities, powers. What are the principalities and uh, powers? It's principalities is arche. It means ruler. Uh, you know, arche, a word coming from uh, archetype. It's the first original type, the ruling type, the one which sets the idea about certain word and explanation. Uh, basically, the first primary or the beginning, the ruler, the ruling idea, Arche. So these rulers, those who have this preeminent place, those who are setting up certain laws or standards or rules, there's these powers, these principalities. That's what it means. Nor powers, the other word for powers is dynamis. You remember how Pastor Stevens used to teach that all these powers are connected to demonic armies. And you know, uh, many people don't understand this uh, even today. But when you study classical Greek, this word for dynamis, dynamis, powers, in classical Greek is connected to demonic armies and is connected to so-called lesser deities. Because they believe in one supreme God and then they believe in certain emanations of God or his multiplications. So they believed in hierarchy of gods, in main God and lesser gods and lesser gods. And they used to call these lesser gods in, a, in, a, in a classical Greek dynamis, the powers. We could say the powers in the air. Uh, that's why we have the prince of the powers of the air. Uh, so these are the powers, principalities, uh, referring to this ruling powers and basically referring not just to the people as uh, kings and presidents and, and people in a, in a, uh, with a high influence on a, on a course of this world, but really the demons behind. And it says, nor things present, nor things to come. Things which are now, though maybe terrible how they are, nor things which will come and maybe even worse, nothing of all this will be able to separate us from the love of God. And then it says, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Here you see, it starts with angels, principalities, powers, and then it names height, depth, nor any other creature. Height and depth, what's the height and depth? It's a hupsoma, height means high places, elevated places. And many times you see in the Old Testament, they used to worship demons on high places, on elevated places. It's a place of high worship of, of, a, of a demonic gods and demonic deities. That's why the Tower of Babel was built high. That's why the devil says in himself, I will, I will climb up high on the Mount of Congregation. I will measure myself with God, uh, with the highest. 
So there's the high things, high places, high rulers, or basically uh, high authorities and demons, Hupsoma. Another word here is the depth. The Greek word is bathos. Uh, we can see in Revelation 2 there are the depths of Satan. Uh, bathos means about really deep things. Many times it's used for the, for the depth of the sea. You know, the deep things, the really deep, the really low. And again, referring to demons as they are uh, living in a different spheres. Uh, you have high-ranking demons and you have, a, you have a, a demons who take care of the lower parts of the earth and etc. So uh, this is it. And he adds nor any other creature. He doesn't say nor any other thing because he would be mentioning things. So to finish the sentence correctly, grammatically would be nor any other things. But because he understands and the readers of the Greek, of the Koine Greek understood from the classical Greek speaking about the creatures and demonic powers, he says that none of these will be able nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God, from his saving work, which is in Christ Jesus. So let's just remember this. Let's not just take it and say, oh, okay, yeah, it says nobody will separate me from his love, but still I can lose my salvation. Well, this is totally unbiblical and unscientific approach to explaining of the scriptures. The, it, by this statement, and many people do this, and, and don't be mad at me, but they, they, just, they just break all the rules of hermeneutics. How to explain any text, not just biblical text. If there is a thought line and the writer is speaking about something, don't bring in something else suddenly and say, oh, it means this. No, there is, there is this revelation, this long line of the things, what God has done on our account, and who, what can we say to these things? If God is for us, who against? You see, there is just, just this balance, in other words. If God for us, who against us? Now, who will lay any charge against God's elect? Verse 33, it is God that justifies. So there is a... Uh, blame and accusation and there is a God that justifies on the other hand and you have been justified because of Christ and who will then condemn if God has done this nobody has the right the only one verse 34 has Christ but he is on our behalf risen and making intercession pleading for us and then who will be able to separate us from this Neither these things that has been named here, none of these, even if we, if we lay down our life and we are being killed and haunted, and he says, in all this, don't think you are a loser. You are more than conqueror. You are the winning one. Why? Because of all this that happened. You cannot lose your salvation because of God as has done and gave it on our behalf, it has been ascribed to us already in heaven, and we are more than conquerors in these things, because, because even if we die, we win. 
we are more than conquerors. And then he says, and I'm persuaded, I know it, I'm fully assured of this, that neither death nor life, if, if they would take our life and we die, or even if we have to live this life of full of these perils and, and dangers and sword or the sacrificial knife, Nothing will separate us, no principalities and powers, no deities, no demons and angels and fallen beings, nor any other creature will be separate us from this saving work of Christ because that is his love which he expressed to us on the cross. How do we know that he loves us? God so loved the world that he gave his son. This is the love of God, the cross. The saving work of Christ. Nobody is able to separate us from the cross, from the saving work. Because of his work. It has nothing to do with just free will, by free will, and understanding in heart. The faith grows and we say, I believe, I trust that this is it. I trust that this is the way how to go to heaven. Not through certain stages of being sanctified because of my good works. No, this is done. This is finished work. And God has finished this, this work once for all on the cross. And now we are just reading these benefits derived, derived from this sacrifice on the cross. So I am persuaded, and me too, that none of these things will separate us from the saving work of Christ. And next class we will continue in chapter 9. Uh, oh, we will speak about Israel. This is so important. People mix Israel with the church or people replace the Israel by the church and many other things. We will touch it, how many evils it brings uh, into understanding of character of God and also eschatology the future things. God loves you. Oh, we are so loved by God. Thank you, Jesus, for these thoughts revealed. It's so powerful. No any other creature, nothing, not even me, myself. I am also a creature. Nobody is able to separate us from the love of God. Nobody, nobody. It says here that nobody because of justification, not because of good works. Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified. We are justified. We have peace with God. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.